opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are. We're in the you know, ascendancy I, I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said so that we were right, right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Hard sort of left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 the hard left, hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, how many cornflakes does 6.8 pence buy you, Karen? These are the questions that Theresa May has got to answer. Yeah, yeah, you're back. I am, I am. Your second consecutive episode. Oh, I know, that's <laughs> wild. We've hooked him back. quite a roll going now. <laughs> hooked him back. How's America? Very hot. Sweet. <laughs> nice. I've, I've had uh, to turn my fucking fan off, otherwise it'll probably make a load of noise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to boil and suffer. Yeah. <laughs> for you guys. Ugh. you got to suffer oh. for your art. Yeah, talking about suffering for my art. Oh, my God. We've all heard Dunty's podcast. I was listening to it just on the trailing to this uh, call starting, so I'm getting <laughs> yeah. as much done as possible, as much of it into Fresh my in veins. The mind. Oh, yeah, and fuck me. I think I, I got through 36 minutes of it. I didn't listen to the last 10 minutes. Fairly I solid, managed it all, but I kind of just kept fading in and out, and I'd budget this and budget that. yeah. And... I took a few uh, notes, especially on the first bit. Yeah, I got like the first half an hour in, and then like it like crashed because the site he uses is fucking awful. It's like, mate, like audio boom is just pure cack. Yeah, it's <laughs> awful. It breaks like once every two or three times. Like, please oh, adverts. So, I guess, <laughs> we're I gonna guess, bottle this shit as soon as possible. Yeah, we yeah. should. We should pretty much like <laughs> launch straight into uh, Romaniacs, I guess. So uh, you're listening to the Real Politic podcast. We've got me, Jack Frayne Reed. We've got my friend Kieran Morris. Uh, yep. And. Returning to the show for his, as we've said, his second consecutive episode, we've got Real Politic co-founder, our, uh, our, our boy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's here. He is. I'm in the house. He's ready. Recording live from the Caliphate of Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> And Yair, out of pure commitment, has listened to the Romaniac podcast. The new yeah, thank you so much for that, Jack. That, that was wonderful. <laughs> when he, as soon as he returns to the show, he's like, "So, have we, have we got any uh, good movies coming, guys, or anything? Do you want me to watch, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the great films? No, no. Listen to Ian Dunn's anti-Brexit podcast um, so... and lose your mind. <laughs> so it's an experience Bromaniacs <laughs> is a new podcast by ian dunt and the guardians uh mu- no, is he yeah music critic dorian linsky he's not a film critic i was thinking of zan brooks i think dorian linsky in 2015 he was a jeremy corbyn supporter you know he thought corbyn was a breath of fresh air and then 
June 2016, Corbyn single-handedly caused Brexit. And Dorian, dun, dun, dun. And Dorian was not happy with that. The picture, he was shook. The, the picture he keeps of himself up in his loft uh, started instantly <laughs> turning into one of those red-faced fat men yelling at Corbyn <laughs> about Trident in the debate yesterday. Um, that's, that's what happens when the Brexit process begins. Everybody turns into one of those, like haggard old warmongers yelling at Corbyn oh, but d- about didn't you hear on Iran. the podcast they're very beleaguered they're, they're very unfairly torn down by the public <laughs> these people oh yeah shush. that's the whole <laughs> thing it's like this is our space it's their safe space to we're victims <laughs> about loving the EU it's pathetic <laughs> it's, it's hilarious <laughs> they talk about it like in everywhere they go everything they do if they even so much as open their mouths about the EU like, five people turn around and go, it's the national interest. And then, like, they have to scuttle home in shame. Like, the actual reality is, they're talking about the fucking referendum to everyone, every day, and everyone's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. They're, like, telling the people in the shop, they're telling the people that are getting the coffee off, they're telling their family at Christmas, and every one of them's just getting sick of them. And that's what their space is. They're just like, we had well this said. debate a year ago. It was fucking boring then. <laughs> It's so boring <laughs> that I just fucking voted for Brexit just because not me personally, this this character. <laughs> you know, I just fucking voted for Brexit because all these cunts like Ian Dunt were just banging on about how awful it would be. <laughs> it was the most tedious debate. But do you remember that though? Do you remember during referendum how oh, yeah. there was no other political debate? No. It yeah. was solely about the EU. When we were having the referendum and there was sort of talk like well, you know, people didn't think that David Cameron's Remain campaign was going to lose. But people were saying if he did lose to the Leave campaign, then Cameron would resign and, we, mm. you know, we might have a snap general election with this new prime minister. And at the time, I was just thinking, oh, my God, like, all we've been talking about is Brexit. Nobody has any ideas <laughs> yeah. about anything else. There's literally no way that they could put together a manifesto of policies when nobody seems to have been allowed to speak about anything other than Brexit for several months. And indeed, yeah. when, in that period, whenever Corbyn came out and talked about something other than Brexit, that was an excuse for Neil Coyle or some tosser to come out and, <laughs> and basically spread the narrative that Labour's stance on the Remain campaign was completely uncertain and Corbyn was mm. half-assing it even though he did more than any other Labour politician. You look at what kind of manifesto could have been brought about by say if the coup had succeeded and the narrative had been shifted like solely onto the whole Brexit discussion going beyond the referendum. Say we do some kind of snap election. We would go into that so hot and heavy with the idea that we're fighting for the silent minority that we wouldn't put anything else down as a plan for Britain. Not a single thing other than <laughs> yeah. overturning this referendum. And then the government would have fucked us so hard. I mean, with all the sort of general stuff would have been basic 2015, maybe even like 2010 stuff off the back of Miliband failing if someone come in. Like just basic social policy, like the same horrible, nasty consensus uh, forum policy. the narrative, like, yeah. Yeah. But other than that would be all about the referendum and the EU, and our relationship with the EU, and the second referendum. And the Tories would have fucked us in unimaginable ways. They probably would have picked someone like Johnson at that point. 
some like real yeah. fucking really nasty piece of shit who just revels in hurling abuse. And then they would have won by a landslide, by popular ascent as well, because Johnson probably had his like high point after the referendum of popularity. Sorry, he was at the time the most popular politician in the country. I think his approval ratings have dipped dramatically since then. I think Theresa May is probably the most popular politician. Although she, you know, she's, had a, she's, had, she's had a rough week, so we'll see. Oh yeah, she's down on unfavorability. It's like. Hit 50, which yeah, is great. Because that's exactly 51, I think. There's about 50 or 51. Nice. <laughs> Four points difference between her and Corbyn in terms of favorability, and I think they have a pretty much equal unfavorability rating. Yeah. Kieran, I, that's, that's just, point, just, just going to point out to you, Kieran, you're cracking up at it's coming out like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, right. we might have to ask you to repeat a couple of things or something. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Right, is that better? Cool. I mean, you're mostly yep. sounding fine anyway. Yeah. Oh, well. But yeah, it's interesting to think how this whole election would be playing out with a different leader. Yeah, Ian Dunst says in the podcast, I don't actually think a very pro-Remain Labour leader would necessarily be, like, a big landslide victory or whatever. He says, now this is where it gets into classic Ian Dunst, just saying stuff with the utmost confidence that just is just plainly just bollocks. Whoever they are, they'd be more competent and less shambolic than Corbyn. Whoever they are. <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to calculate how many more anti-Tory votes they'd get on the basis that you're not putting a lunatic into number 10. So he must have he must Jesus have Christ. missed the bit where in the 2016 Labour leadership campaign, Owen Smith said, well, you don't want a lunatic running the Labour Party and was roundly criticised for his mm. insensitive use of mental health slurs and tarring. Punished for it as well. He lost any soft left sentiment when he started going that hard. Like everyone <laughs> saw it was a really dirty, nasty campaign. And by the end, only the real cunts were backing him. Yeah. And in fact throughout this whole podcast i mean it's even called romaniacs for fuck's sake they, <laughs> they constantly allude bit on the nose yeah, yeah they constantly allude to mental health throughout every two minutes or so it's like the, the crazy brexiteers or it's mad or they look at you like you're crazy one you're of like, them was like awful it's like it was linsky who said Oh, you know, those of us on the same side of oh, politics yeah, know yeah. what's yeah. going to happen. It's appalling. It's a real degradation of our political debate. Far more than people chucking about words like slug or something. We'll get to that later because mm. there's a lot we can say <laughs> on that subject. But so, so it's quite, it's, it is quite funny just to listen to these three men because they also have a resident Tory remainder. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my Collins. God, this guy is so fucking cool. Just some like his voice is just like powerful sexual charisma. (laughs) It's amazing. Former editor of the Economist, and uh, you you know, I think uh, Theresa May, etc., are the worst politicians in the UK, uh, apart from all the others. (laughs) That's what Churchill said. It It is fucking liberal Tory man. It's just like someone's great when they start by quoting Churchill, right? Yeah. But and like, then they just uh, keep on going. It's right. Oh, there's, there's there's no more uh, ringing endorsements anymore. Yeah, am I right, guys? Uh, you know, <laughs> lesser lesser two evils. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking prick. I love how adrift these three people feel, though. How they are just um, completely disconnected from political developments. Then at one point, I'm sure they were all talking about how it would probably be actually all right if Theresa May got back in because. <laughs> 
you know, there might be a chance for more debate about Brexit later on if that happens. <laughs> That's oh, just yeah, like, what we like, like, the fuck? <laughs> more debate about Brexit. The, the landslide thing was like, oh, yeah, well, there's been, like, a survey of, like, all the Conservatives, and, like, they've got a small majority, but, like, half of them are Remain and voted Remain, so, like, maybe if she wins a huge landslide, <laughs> she's going to listen to those guys, and it'll be a real yeah. Conservative approach. You know, everyone's talking about it, because the debate will be that big, because they'll have 500 seats. And you're just like, <laughs> what fucking world are you in? Like, the like, Tories don't listen be in, like, to people. less of a position. They make people oh. listen to them, and occasionally what they're saying coincides with what people are saying. <laughs> Clearly, they're living in the darkest timeline. That's <laughs> but Ian Dunn complains on the podcast that political debate is now vibes-based rather than fact-based. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Jesus. He also says that if anybody thought that Tony oh. Blair was superficial, he looks like the paragon of political content at the moment. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. His lines stand for himself, really. If you just need to read out what he's like, or how his tone is, considering when you just think about it, he refers back to one of his old pieces when making a point, like he said, in like a story way, he says, I was just reading one of my own pieces from 2016. And like, oh, I thought this at the time. Like, that's an insightful thing. And I thought, what it came to mind of, like, when you think of Ian Dunn's previous writing, largely about how much we should leave the EU. Like, to what extent he was for leaving the EU. And this might be a bit of an obtuse. Uh, connection. But if you look on YouTube, there's a Sky News clip Sky News. of Ian Huntley, where <laughs> he's being interviewed by the Rolling News about like these two missing kids, and he talks completely normally, like, "Oh, you know, it's been bad around here, but I, I haven't seen a thing. You know, I'm just a school janitor." And like that same pathological lying, and like how someone's so convinced of themselves, is how I see Ian. <laughs> about the EU. Ian Duntley. I mean, I don't know if it's Ian Duntley. <laughs> oh, my God. But he, he, Ian Dunt sounds exactly like I imagined him to sound. Cause like he, oh, yeah, no he's, he, he's not particularly posh. He's not, like, mm. cockney. He's sort of somewhere in between estuary English, just kind of like, well, you know, the Brexiteers are saying that uh, my emotional stasis is in the wrong place. And it's like... Yeah, that's pretty much how I imagined him to talk. That's also how I imagine uh, TWL Dunn to talk. But we'll uh, we'll get we'll get to him. We'll get to him. Twilled on that like simpering freak. Oh god! Like... <laughs> we're gonna get through Dunn first, and then we're coming for him next. Yeah, exactly. We're not gonna spend like a full hour on this podcast. Fuck no! Like five fuck oh, no! Because that's longer than the podcast itself. It was forty-five <laughs> minutes, and it felt like a fucking eternity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, as I've said, I did not get through the whole thing. What else do they talk about? Oh, yeah, they compare Brexit to the Iraq war. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they think years later, just like the Iraq war is going to be such a big issue. Oh, war. Like, what was the line? War like, in Europe? 
it was the line of not everyone had like a stop the war t-shirt put on them yeah like oh yeah, yeah everyone at the time you know people weren't actually that bothered by the iraq war it's like have you seen the polling like have you seen <laughs> the polling from the time there was like one poll i think from the time just like literally a single one that showed people supporting the war mm. <laughs> and then like every other was like outraged by some distance and yeah. then it stayed that way, like, outrage maintained. It didn't, like, come out of nowhere. Well, who knows? Like, there is a strong possibility that Brexit could create a political vacuum in Britain that clears the way for the establishment of a caliphate. And that's what we call... <laughs> <laughs> that's what we endorse. <laughs> that's been our stance the whole time. People were kidding when we said that we Barthist, we really are. <laughs> that like, was were Barthist. Sorry, I keep having to tell our listeners what you're saying. Cause it, oh, like, that's fine. Like, <laughs> 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 it's like when, when John Rentals found a, a, a pliant young virgin. He's got his, his dug his teeth into their neck. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about Rentool's piece? Oh He's, yeah, like, okay. Rentool is smoking crack. He's got <laughs> amazing like it's peak peak Rentool. It's it's perfect, wild, man. It's I... so what what's this piece called? I think it's something as obvious as like Jeremy Corbyn is a right-wing red Tory and the only way to make a difference is by voting Lib Dem. I mean, what? Like, that's just perfect. <laughs> like, I couldn't have hoped for anything better out of Rental for this election. For him to arrive at that bold, brassy headline, we've done a brilliant job. We should commend ourselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is an article by The Independent's chief political commentator, John Rental, called... Jeremy Corbyn is a right-wing red Tory who offers no alternative to the government. (laughs) (laughs) Every single issue, yeah. According to the Institute for Fiscal Studies, there is little difference between Labour and the Tories. If you really want to protect the incomes of the poor, you should vote Liberal Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) What what was he on? (laughs) Crack. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was said, established. Said, said. Um, so, I mean, do, do we want to read a bit of this? Do we want to go through it? It's it's no good. Like, <laughs> your headline's your headline there. Like, going through it, he's talking down everything in the most, like, progressy way. It's just, like, spending, 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 spending. But, look, mm. the Tories are saying spending. That's <laughs> not, like... Why don't we just don't spend and spend money on tax relief for the poor, which is what we're fucking doing. What I found interesting, you've just reminded me of, in The Guardian's endorsement of Labour that we got, I think, yesterday. And that was like, it was a bit of a surprise because people, um, certainly not us on our uh, our shared Twitter account, were speculating that The Guardian might... <laughs> Or at least the Observer might potentially endorse the Conservative Party. There's still time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they came out. They, (laughs) they well, the Observer might. Who knows? But the Guardian. I think the Observer will. Yeah, (laughs) the Guardian (laughs) came out and endorsed Labour yesterday, but they included the usual kind of half-hearted, qualified criticisms of the manifesto, and so they said the manifesto. It's something like it's too dependent on the state 
but also doesn't do enough to address conservative benefit cuts. So I'm like, hang on, which which is it? Do you do you want to just um, <laughs> yeah. like should should we just like expand Atos's fucking contract to something? Should we just privatize the entire benefit system, or you know, do you think there is a human need to invest in public services? Which is it? As ever, they're just going to sit on the fence. Like their argument reads like of course. they've just picked the last two disparate articles attacking Gorbin from two different angles yeah. and said, oh well, there's this <laughs> and then there's this. <laughs> and they don't correspond in any way at it's all because like bizarre. their editorial line's been so clear. It's not about the policies themselves, it's about the man yeah. Yeah. implementing them. Just, They're fucking dreadful. And you've got John Harris doing like pro Corbyn pieces now. You have Jonathan Friedland wrote an article which in the headline talked about Corbyn's extraordinary fight back, which within about a day was changed to Corbyn's fight back. so the guardian just like toning it down there's been this massively fucking audible just screech as the guardian fucking just like turns on its wheels around like (laughs) slightly face corbin a little bit more (laughs) they're just withering under the sun it's ridiculous like they can see public opinion is so glaringly beyond them they can't really face up to the two years they've spent on a wrecking mission yeah but they also can't complete that wrecking mission and just back theresa may like half of their writers would probably agree with and so they just forced to like put out this editorial that you would only think was actually helpful if you hadn't read the guardian for two years (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh strong support for labor there but i was thinking how in 2015 during the first leadership campaign corbyn ran in The Guardian conducted a poll of their readers and something like, I think, 76 to 78 percent of the Guardian readers polled said that they supported Corbyn. And a a couple of days later, the Guardian came out and endorsed Yvette Cooper. Um, (laughs) (laughs) However, I think now, after 18 months of pure anti-Corbyn wrecking, every single day, an interview with a fucking backbencher who's placed themselves in opposition to Corbyn in some kind of way. On Christmas Day, they published an interview with Owen Smith. But I think after those 18 months, the Guardian readers' poll of whether they support Corbyn or not would look different because they've made the most concerted effort to tell people that he's an extremist terrorist sympathizer that he's actually dangerous to succeeding he's dangerous to getting left-wing and liberal policies enacted because he's so electorally toxic and Mm. could never deliver power and therefore is actually harmful to like the progress of history it's disgusting yeah and the thing is these Mm. are a lot of the same attacks that the right have thrown at corbyn but they throw them because they know they work yeah Yeah. they they do hate him for like yeah. all the basic reasons, like because he's scruffy and because he's left wing and they don't take that seriously and they thrive off power. They're not yeah, it is actually believing quite... that he can't be entrusted with the nation. Yeah, no, that but, but stuff like the tie is actually quite important to them. Because they're fucking yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. They're fucking freaks. Why the it's fuck all about, would you like, care about oh, that? You couldn't introduce him to the queen. Like that's <laughs> their main like sort of thing. It's like, oh, he couldn't be on yeah. like, he couldn't do fucking Troop in the Colour. It's like, what the fuck? Fucking Fucking ceremony and pageantry. Yeah, pomp and circumstance and bullshit. Hobshwarm ritualistic shit. For fans of the disgraced historian Eric Hobshwarm, and I only say disgraced because we're allowed to say that because of what he wrote about the party after the 70s and 80s. (laughs) 
the reactionary yeah. communist Eric Hobshaw. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I, what if I just said? I'm going to have people after me. You just, you just gone, gone for fucking Hobspawn, man. Like, he's <laughs> gone for his throat. I'm never sure quite how close to Frogspawn it's supposed to be pronounced. I say, like, swarm. <laughs> like, 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 swarm, but like with a schwarm, like Hobshwarm. But like, that's Sean Connery, Connery yeah. Hobbs 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 Leave all this in. All of it. Nothing on the cutting room floor. (laughs) Our first unedited episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, imagine. Uh, We'd lose everyone. I've just been reminded of something I found quite funny in the Bromaniacs podcast. was when Ian Dunn is talking about the Leave campaign. He, he's just telling some, like, long-winded anecdote. And then Ian Dunn's like, now, this story goes somewhere interesting. And I'm, I was just like, well, <laughs> I don't know about that. But then, sure enough, the political editor of Erotic Review did start oh, going on the heat. about the UK's online video regulatory body attempting yeah. to ban dominatrix porn. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you can just hear his Tory mate is like, uh, oh, uh, uh, um, just uh, tugging at his collar, like, oh, yes, uh, the, the, the dominatrix porn, uh, yes, yes. I mean, talk about addressing a sacred cow in a room full of plus 40 men. <laughs> 40 plus men, rather. Just like, all collectively shitting themselves, telling their wife, no, don't listen to that. <laughs> yeah. oh, all that sort of thing. Like, they just instantly just melt into a pool of sweat. Dunces ruined the, the atmosphere. Word. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> My favourite thing was like the lamest story, or like the lamest line I've ever heard delivered, probably over audio, was the <laughs> ed- the economist guy. The, guy the, economist, the economist guy. Was it economist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter like, he this, yeah, Peter Collins. He says this lame fucking line where he's like, "Oh well, uh, what I know about football, you could." Uh, Probably uh, right down at the back of a post-it note, but uh, an, uh, an interesting graph this week has uh, oh, come out yeah. where they've um, corresponded the uh, the referendum <laughs> result with uh, the uh, the Premier League table, and if, if, if you look, um, the Remainers find themselves you know, quite quite top of the list. Uh, but if you uh, look down at the um, relegation zone, <laughs> well, uh, you'd say that, that you know it's really leave country down there and i just thought that was funny you know and it ends like that and like i i almost bawled my eyes out like there's burnham style like authenticrat here's me Goodison park shit it's not believable but it's not absurd but you've got yeah. this like fucking eaten schoolboy thick as pig shit inbred five times over <laughs> Shivering <laughs> fucking mess. Try and like make this illusion based on like no understanding of what places like fucking Hull and Sunderland and Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah. And just like tying their like socioeconomic situation to the like quality of their football team. And, and then their like perceived prejudices, or in the case of the show, mental the illnesses for oh, yeah, yeah. voting. Lot, as we said, mm, lots of fucking mental illness banter throughout the whole thing. What I thought was really funny was that that 
football analogy came directly after the dominatrix porn bit. So <laughs> I thought, so I thought that Peter Collins, after he'd done his little uh, collar tugging, oh yes, well, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, I thought he was going to say, well, you know, what I know about dominatrix porn, you can write <laughs> on the back of a stamp. <laughs> But it was, instead, as you say, this authenticratic, very, very strange... Most bizarre correlation network. I've ever heard. <laughs> so yeah. bizarre. It's such a boring podcast. It's, mm. uh, it, I'm not going to listen to episode two. It's not no. me. I'm not the target audience. The one good thing I would say about it is I listened to it at bedtime and I slept like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> It does have a very sedate feel to it. I think Dorian Linsky is like even more boring than I anticipated. Yeah, like, he's, uh, he's, he's got quite a nice voice. He's very softly spoken. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, when he's trying to make animated points. It, it yeah. sounded like, like listening to the world news late at night <laughs> on NPR <laughs> with just these liberals sort of just you know, gesticulating, but you can't say it. Uh, yeah. Just <laughs> names and numbers just being muttered into your ear, just like, I swear they said the South budget thousands of times. But isn't it the most kind of technocratic conception of politics where they've... So Set, yeah. They've centred their politics around this. How would you describe the EU? A diplomatic and trading body, something like that. Pretty yeah, much. it's like supranational, huge organisation that does probably a million fucking things we don't understand, but it doesn't stop them from trying to understand it and tell it to you at yeah. great mm. detail for chunks of the podcast. Like, this isn't just someone who like knows a few things about the EU. Like Ian Dunn. You know, in that convincing <laughs> manner that serial killers do take on. Like, <laughs> it clearly devotes himself to, like, grasping the minutiae of European, like, trading and negotiating law. Oh, it and, is like... a podcast for people who are not sick of experts. Oh, oh. <laughs> for those of us who still value expertise in this crazy world. Here's Ian Dunn. Sorry, just had to chuck in a mental health slur there, otherwise we wouldn't be true to the spirit of Romania. Of course. <laughs> you know what I thought like... about this podcast? Fucking mental, mate! <laughs> They're right mad, isn't they? Fucking off its nut! <laughs> it's off its fucking nut, mate! <laughs> but no, of course we're not going to... We're not going to accuse Ian Dunn and so on of having mental health problems. Of course there would be nothing wrong with it if they did, but... Dare I suggest their politics are simply down to them being stupid fucking boring cunts. Yeah, rather, like rather they're than any medical issue. Like they're just dreadful. Like <laughs> I'm not gonna listen to it ever again. Listening to it in the first place was mm. one of the most fucking tawdry experiences of my entire life. I regret it like immensely. <laughs> it like I didn't when I first heard about it I thought, you know, obviously, because we love you guys content potential in like quite yeah. a big way we're going to spend this like <laughs> hour two hours ripping the shit out of it it's going to be hilarious and then i realized about five minutes in that i was just like oh i don't think anyone's going to muster up the energy here like yeah. i think we've given it a good <laughs> go but you can't dissect it it doesn't animate you in the way that the new statesman liberal opposition issue it animated us that's on record that was my but shit. as any mention of jason cowley sends jack into like the <laughs> Like, like the frenzy. That fu- I will rip his fucking head off. 
fucking dick off. What? His like his Who blood boils <laughs> like Jason Cowley. But for this, I'm almost disappointed. I'm like I'm reviewing it because like I wanted to hate it. I did. I did. Hate I just it. found that like I'm still like <laughs> I just don't give a fuck about anything they have to say. <laughs> It's so boring. Oh, yeah. That's the pitfalls of this kind of technocracy, where you're just like, well, the EU passed a certain regulation that wasn't binding for every country <laughs> in the EU. It's like, it's so, so, so tedious. Cannot um, be overstated, that fact, yeah. Are we yeah, giving I, it the collective two thumbs down? I'm going to grow a third thumb just to... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, all three of my thumbs are, are precipitously pointed downwards. Um, in fact, if there's so little to say about this boring-as-fuck-shit podcast that I have one more thing to say. <laughs> then I'm out of it. The bit that I really enjoyed, actually, the bit that I got a bit of satisfaction out of, was when Peter Collins said, well... This thing that has been quite frustrating for me, and probably will be for you as well. This poll now saying that two-thirds of the population are in favour of Brexit. Oh my god. I was just licking my lips, just like rubbing my hands together, like, you know, you're just pounding <laughs> my dick. Just like, oh my god, they're so unhappy, and I love it. Just like eyes bursting out your head, <laughs> like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> just like, oh, here we go, like dollar signs spinning round. This is referring to that poll that came out recently. I think YouGov conducted it. And they're very sniffy about YouGov in this podcast because it's the MSM with their polls, the bias, it's the, the conspiracy Zionists. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, basically, they're not huge fans of polls nowadays. But they're like talking about this YouGov poll that showed for a vast majority of the population, I think 22% of the population was all of it that basically wants to go back on the referendum result the vast majority of the country is split into two camps of people who are enthusiastically pro-leave and just kind of want to get on with it, like all of us. Mm. But I did find it quite satisfying hearing how upset yeah. they all were about that poll. Of course. <laughs> uh, no, I was just saying, that's one of the things that just kept on occurring to me throughout all 45 glorious minutes of this podcast, that, and it's common with all remainders that I've seen, at least on Twitter and what have you, they just treat it like this complete black and white issue where mm. either you wanted to leave the EU or you wanted to stay in the EU when it just couldn't be. That's it's, it's a very complex issue. And yeah. I know that you didn't vote for Brexit. I didn't vote for Brexit. But as you say, that sort of pragmatism, it's been voted for. It's going to happen. And I think at one point they even say it on Romaniacs that they thought it was right to not stand in the way of triggering article 50 because yeah. it just wouldn't have succeeded i'm not i'm not entirely they sure what their stance is big thing that kills it i think yeah. they want to bide their time until they can turn the tide of public opinion so absolutely that they like <laughs> come sweeping till through. till windmill jollyan just works out an absolutely fire prosecution to fuck the <laughs> government <laughs> windmill jollyan gina miller the guardian's woman of the year for some bizarre fucking reason oh, yeah. like <laughs> That was just insane. As I've said, like, only about eight people know who she is. Is she like, a Tory, Gina Miller? Because she's running... She voted for everyone. Labor. She votes on whoever is best. Fuck. She votes for any... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the Guardian fucking love Ken her. Clark. All the tosses. George Osborne, if he was running again. All of those types. I think the biggest thing with the Remainers and their dry technocratic side embodied in the Romaniacs podcast is that, fundamentally, what's come from them is this idea of turning pragmatism into 
passion again. They, they really don't have that. And like the whole mm. ideology now is trying to make pragmatic arguments about it's tough to leave. It's going to cost a lot. We're going to have to trade differently into like passionate articles of faith for a whole political grounding and it's impossible and it's unconvincing and it can never ever ever win any sort of political argument because it has no basis yeah absolutely we were saying earlier yair was saying that it's not black and white but i think that the hard remainers are as incapable as anybody of comprehending nuance in the debate. And I would cite the example of the way that people have distorted Corbyn's position on the European Mm. Union to illustrate that. Corbyn was for many years a Eurosceptic, like most people on the radical left were. To pick a fairly uncontroversial figure on the left, apart from within our faction, about a year before the referendum, Owen Jones was writing articles in The Guardian saying maybe we should consider leaving the EU. A lot of people on the left held this view, especially after what was done to Greece by the Troika. Yeah. So Corbyn then adjusted his view again, like many people on the radical left and people from the centre, they haven't been through this. So they can't appreciate that this was an internal debate that many of us had. Although maybe Ian Dunt, with his record of supporting Brexit, should understand better than a lot of people, actually. <laughs> but Corbyn looked at the political reality and he looked at the dynamic in his party and in the country and he came to the decision that it would be better if Britain stayed in the European Union. And people have put out these conspiracy theories that he voted leave, which is the most desperate, pathetic tactic. And anybody who gives that even a second of credence is a fucking idiot is literally the low, <laughs> yeah. the lowest of the low down there in the fucking dirt with anybody who has ever used the phrase magic money tree. Like, it got column inches. It got fucking column inches. Yeah, Chris Bryant went to Vice to do a video with them saying how he thinks this is Chris Bryant who was formerly in the Shadow Cabinet until the coup over the summer. He he went there and was saying, oh yeah, yeah, Corbyn, Corbyn voted leave. This And Owen Smith kept saying it on stage as well. <laughs> this complete fucking aberration, this complete fucking lie. Yeah. This death rattle of this pointless arse-covering ideology. Still trying to pass the book as to why they fucked up. Probably the surest thing of any referendum this country's ever had or any referendum that's been had in the Western world. You could have made the Remain and Reform argument so succinctly and so easily. Think about this election. Think about if you didn't have like the rest of the old Blairite tendencies and the Brownites and the common consensus going, oh no, Remain and love it. We have to stay in. Yeah. Corbyn presented a common sense and well-understood argument about, listen, I understand it isn't perfect. The best way we can change it is to stay in because going out would be awful, which was his line. I genuinely think Remain would have won. Yeah. Unfettered by the horrible fucking stronger in or whatever it was britain stronger in europe labor for europe or whatever the woeful labor for remain it was awful campaign run by alan johnson and hillary ben people in the country could see that they saw the politicians on the same stage making the same fucking arguments completely indistinguishable yeah imagine like if corbyn had done what everyone at the time told him to do over and over again and criticise him for so much, but mostly at the referendum in the time. If he had stood alongside David Cameron in that, they still would have lost. And then after the election, when Theresa May, who, you know, let's not forget, 
bin bagged George Osborne and kicked him to the back benches and did a big move in the Conservative Party to kick away David Cameron, who wasn't liked by the rank and file. They would be running this election, their fucking poster with David Cameron and Jeremy Corbyn holding fucking hands and saying, look, mm. they wanted to stay. They want to subvert it. You can't give it to them because he failed to negotiate and he won't negotiate because he wanted to stay. And they would destroy us. Once again, it was a complete mm. fucking masterstroke. And people understand that. I've spoken to people who've said they thought at the time, oh, maybe he should have pushed a bit more. But in this election, in this situation, they are now going. That was brilliant because yeah. they are in the perfect position to shift the ground on making this about Brexit. And that's what they've done. And that's why he's so much better at politics than anyone in the PLP. Yeah. So Ian Dunn says whoever an alternative leader was, they'd be more competent and less shambolic than Corbyn. I mean, that's patently, demonstrably untrue. Corbyn has performed excellently in this campaign. He has been superb in his media appearances. In the timing, in the performance, in the content of what he's saying, he's managed to get a genuinely radical and transformative manifesto out of the desiccated old beast that is the Labour Party. You know, I really think people who've kidded themselves to think that Corbyn is somehow a worse politician than any of the 200 and something MPs <laughs> who are not Labour leader, <laughs> whose careers have not followed that trajectory, whilst his has... And they're all fucking actively trying as well. They've all, from the minute they've got into Parliament, they've been, you know, working up the ladder to become leader. Corbyn never did that. He still became leader. So, yeah. yeah I've, and he did it brilliantly. Like, this line that keeps coming back up, shambolic. Like, for yeah. one, it's a Tory mm. line. You've seen it in everything. They bring it up all the time. Yeah. But you know yeah. what looks shambolic? A slick campaign run by someone desperate to be leader when the fucking the world is falling around them. Like, Absolutely. them still having a slick production, spending lots of money, still trying to run it as efficiently as possible while, like, the narrative is just so set against them. I'm and sure. as that naked ambition gets more and more angry and more desperate, they throw anything they can, and they <laughs> crash and they burn and they destroy the party. That is what shambolic is. That's what people see politicians as. Not because Jeremy Corbyn doesn't wear fucking suits from Oswald Boateng on Savile Row or anything. <laughs> that is what a fucking shambles is. A clean-run campaign with the world falling in around them. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And Labour's campaign has been great at responding to events. Corbyn's intervention on foreign policy preempted a kind of reactionary reaction to basically the Manchester attack. People were going to, and they immediately of course did, start saying oh this happens because people like Corbyn are soft on terror. Despite and, the fact that Theresa May is the one running the country. <laughs> well yeah, yeah, absolutely in fact Theresa May is the one who let the security services take Salman Abedi off to Libya to train as a jihadist. So mm. <laughs> yeah, I think she actually has some serious questions to answer here and it's amazing people haven't actually made more hay out of that because it really is shocking and it really is illustrative of the failures of british foreign policy but i want i wanted to say one more thing about the bromaniacs podcast before we talk about a couple of other things that have been happening i mean it's, it's my sad duty to report that we've been talking about brexit longer than they have in their first episode yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh exactly. my god we've got too much brexit banter in there but they say <laughs> And this is very Bromaniacs. They say, you'd be crazy 
as a Remainer to have any faith in Labour right now. And, I mean, doesn't that just sum up their whole rotten perspective? You'd be crazy as a Remainer. Well, I mean, I, I voted Remain. I uh, when, when I voted Remain, I hadn't started getting treatment for my mental health. I subsequently have. I don't think there's necessarily a direct correlation between being crazy and, as they'd say, and having any particular kind of political beliefs. In fact, that's something that annoys me when I'm reading Jacobin, which I generally like, how they're constantly just talking about wing nuts or batty right-wingers. Mm. I, even, I even think I said something like that the other day, and, and you know, I reg- regretted it. And, I think we've all been guilty of that at some point. Yeah, but yeah. it's... But it's, it's something re- you iron out of yourself. Yeah, but it's really endemic among left-of-centre Americans that they basically... And it obviously comes from America having a sort of strong evangelical tradition, a strong mm. white supremacist tradition. <laughs> but a lot of people who are liberal-minded or actual leftists have just sort of thought, well, you know, they define themselves as, well, we're, we're the sane ones, aren't they? But it was like John Stewart and Stephen Colbert did the rally to restore sanity a few yeah, years back, yeah. which was about absolutely nothing. It was just all <laughs> this kind of civility fetishism. Like, if everybody well, is that's just that, a bit like nicer that, to each other. The Richard Osman and the Ian Dunk and the Dorian Linsky school of when are the adults going to come back in charge? Mm. When's the madness mm. going to stop? Yeah. When are we going to put an end to the craziness? Like, that's how they see a complex world. That there is this alternative to it that where sanity has been restored. Yeah. Where things, yeah. like, happen rationally and logically and not because mentally ill people are running the shop or immature people are running the shop it's it's fucking absolutely toxic if you think these people are harmless and what they think is just harmless and deluded there really is a nasty nasty core to what they believe and what they say the stuff about putting a lunatic into number 10 how if you have faith in labor right now and you voted remain you're crazy it's really really insidious i mean for a number of reasons it obviously stigmatizes mental health but it's this kind of I, I i don't know how to describe it but it's a sort of double effect where it is a fantastic weapon with which to beat both mentally ill people and supporters of left-wing politics and yeah. it's, uh, wor- it's worth these... saying that there is a direct correlation between people being mentally ill and supporting left-wing politics because Theresa May's rhetoric on mental health is bullshit (laughs) and Corbyn's is sincere and he actually wants to help people who have been having problems in those areas. So, personally, I wouldn't care if I put a lunatic into number 10, if I put somebody (laughs) who, say, suffers from, uh, you know, from depression, from... You know, there's a a massive spectrum of... Well, they mentioned fucking Churchill at the start. Jesus fucking Christ, I'm sure there's a lot to be written and said about Winston Churchill and what he did, but, like, his battles in his diaries with depression are very well documented and very, you know, they're often sort of given out as, like, an example of a great man who can be great man in quote unquote terms who can yeah. be afflicted with depression despite seemingly having power and status etc yeah and even still they just don't think about it i think i think they do just associate craziness with either that horrible ugly light and simplistic and dangerous wing nut style view of the crazy not the sort of well, quote unquote crazy right and, and then and that's the left the other... who they just think can't be 
serious and, and therefore have to be mentally ill. Yeah, and that's the other insidious element, because as well as saying people with mental problems are not, you know, their political views are compromised, they're not qualified to hold public office, stuff like that, you can mm. get that inference from it. But also, it's just, a, it's an attack on the left, isn't it? It's basically saying that because we've already established mental illness is bad, if you're crazy, you, your politics aren't considered, ergo... Mm. If you've got the crazy politics, if you're on the left, then, you know, then there's something about you that basically puts you in the same boat as mentally ill people. I mean, it's 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 offensive for everyone. Yeah. It's, it helps sorry, absolutely I lost my no point. one. I lost my point there. I started. I started no, no, I think stone. you said it. No, it held together. Really, 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 like, got that across brilliantly. I find it despicable, this kind of rhetoric. And I think this is probably a nice segue to move on into our own rhetoric and a discussion of that, in how we've talked before about how on this show we do actually try not to call our political opponents crazy or mad or nuts or anything like that. And if somebody does, just as a slip of the tongue, I always cut it out when I'm editing the show. Like, nice. I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's that's appropriate because I, you know, I consider people with mental health problems to be. A kind of oppressed group in the same way as any minority and we wouldn't say racist things we wouldn't say homophobic other... or transphobic yeah, we things, we, or yeah, sexist yeah. things and we wouldn't say other ableist things about people who have issues other than mental health and a lot of people will kind of look at us as saying oh but you guys insult people all the time you have a massive double standard there it's like yeah we, we do insult people all the time but we we call them a cunt we call them a melt we call them a toad we call them a slug um <laughs> and the and i'm afraid these are just not as fucking loaded as calling people crazy or mad so i think it's time for a brief discussion of the new lexicon of the left before we tie this up yeah we've heard it first with slugworth as yeah. he is actually known Bloodthirst. Um, yeah, Bloodthirst, James Bloodthirst, and his ridiculous claim. This is where you know that either we've got them rattled or they just have really nothing better to do or there is no mud they won't fling at us. But we've pissed around. Obviously, it started with two great follows, who you probably all do follow, H. McLanders, annoyed PTG, taking this line of horrible little slugs with no personality from the office or, you know, paraphrasing it, I'm not too sure. Just going, oh, you lot of rubbish. I was going... Oh, a lot of rubbish. Just swindling, a lot of shit. And he got, it got aggressive, and I went berserk. Did you? If I had it, I need to come through that wall. Well, I don't know. He's pretty trim, mate. Yeah. My dad's karate. So, yeah. and David, what did he actually say about us? Just slags like a new laugh. I went. You're swindling, not a little slugs. A little slugs with no personality, and it's just jealous that we're better at everything than you. I'll tell you what, on a serious note, if you did kick off doing anything, get out. I don't want you lot getting out, it's not worth it. Well, I'll just step in if you want. Let's be big boy shit, mate. Cheers. Use it one, hit him really hard above the ears, cause a vacuum in the brain kills him instantly. I wouldn't want him to die. I'd want to keep a little twat alive with the shit I was gonna put on him. But, like, it became slugs. Look at these fucking slugs. It captured that sort of level of derision we all wanted to give off. We've all taken to it. We all love it. We've got it in our bio. It's like, it's <laughs> it's a word we all find really funny. It's you know, recognisable it as is, well. Yeah. It's, yeah. Really, it's spread on quite a wide scale. Yeah, it's got some, like, purchase now. A few people like calling someone or something a slug. Or I've seen a lot of people who, like, typically I wouldn't expect to use it, just going, like, I just hate these fucking slugs, mate. And yeah. it's, it's a, a lovely little catch-all for the spineless, disgusting, like morally abhorrent terrible bastards that currently make up the plp and the media 
and then the Conservative Party. And, like, yeah. people are... I'm not going to overstate its importance because I don't think in any way it's important, really, in politics. It's not an issue. But in their last, like, sort of howl for relevance, you've seen Bloodworth... And now all the fucking creepy centrist dads with their shit shouts and their Corbyn <laughs> obsessions and their predilection for throwing around anti-Semitism remarks. Just utterly accusations of anti-Semitism. unfunny, borderline illiterate, strange old men who, all the ones from Scotland, spend the majority of their time trying to fuck over, like, Alistair and Liam and, like, 20-year-old socialists. If they're not yeah. doing, like, come tributes to Gordon Brown. Yeah, they're, I mean, like, they're just the saddest the bastards. But, like, they've taken up, like, genuinely taken up, and I'm sure you've seen this because we put it on the account, <laughs> that calling someone a slug is a slur. It's an animal comparison. Oh, yeah. It's dehumanizing. And that's not what slur like, means. <laughs> yeah, like, slur doesn't mean I thought it was upsetting, or people were laughing at me and calling it, therefore it's a slur. Bloodworth quite repulsively compared it to Soviet language for dissidents and like all sorts of language of Bolivarian revolutionaries and stuff. Well, they're yeah, actually you're good, really so I'm, fucking I'm not yeah. They are actually good. That. It's these weird <laughs> fucking old cunts who are just obsessed with Venezuela. Like you know, whenever Corbyn mm. tweets anything, or in fact, you know, whenever Ellie May O'Hagan tweets anything, like who's you know not as prominent a person as Corbyn, there's always some weird reply like. Ellie, what about Venezuela? Have you, have you seen what's going on over there? <laughs> and it's just these people who've, like, read one fucking, like, article and, like... I don't know, who does really reactionary I'm not actually wondering... Affairs? Yeah, like, well, if there's been anything on Venezuela, it's because people in the media want an immediate comparison to yeah. what a Corbyn government could be. So they're not thinking, oh, how, how have I just learned about Venezuela? They're just going, oh, yeah, well, it's in the news, so it uh, must be really bad, you know? Like, oh, they're actually really poor. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it doesn't actually go beyond that. Like, they don't think about what Chavez achieved, why he overcame so much in the way of sanctions and sabotage and all that sort of thing, and why the economy is like it is, why the changing South American economy is like it is, what the pink tide was, any of that shit. They're just like, oh, what about Venezuela? You're like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there is one weird old... Oh, it's that... Go Osborne genius guy. Yeah. That fucking freak who is just obsessed with Ellie Mayo Hagen and always messages her creepy shit about Venezuela. And I'm not even <laughs> sure. I know she has written a fair bit about Latin America, but I don't know. Is she like a Venezuela specialist or something? I'm not entirely sure what that's about, but you do get that targeted at Corbyn as well. Yeah, that and... like G. Osborne genius account that's like either very like. I, I thought it's MI5. it was meant to be a joke, but like, I don't know. Actually, comes across like someone who thinks that George Osborne is a genius. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, I can't possibly place what ideology it must have apart from just being an MI5 account, just yes. a wind-up account. These people <laughs> did decide to set up accounts entirely devoted to attacking Corbyn as soon as he became leader, and then post hundreds, like thousands <laughs> of times a day. 
you see this thing about we always hear it and i hate even talking about it because it's such a fucking joke but the troll bots that they say like russia <laughs> run uh, against oh, people yeah, like yeah. Stabilized democracy if you think about if that's hypothetical here if we're calling that an actual weapon of misinformation do you think that the british talking about that that only russia could do it and go oh that's that's dishonest you know the internet's for everyone <laughs> or if that's actually what they're doing they're not just going to do the same fucking thing to destabilize their democracy because it clearly fucking works if it works as effectively as they say they're not going to be like oh that's wrong we're a Against that. It's fucking GCHQ. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> they've just got like the license to take all of our internet history from like any given point for no reason. And that might be passed over to private hands. They don't give a fuck about web security or dignity or the control of information that people get being as honest as possible. No, if they can think of yeah. something like that they can use, they'll use it and it may not actually have an impact, but it'll just be some bothersome creep sat at a GCHQ desk posting shite daily about Corbyn, about Venezuela, about Bergen, about Thornbury, What's all the usual like Bergen? shithead targets. Is it, is it that he has a northern accent? I, I, fi- I think it's because he went to St. John's College, Oxford, I think, but he doesn't look like it. And so, like, I, I get very confused. <laughs> about, it's like apparently, so it's okay to be middle class if you basically believe in a free market system. <laughs> it's okay to be fucking Jacob Reese mogg but it, they it, fucking if, love him. If you're fucking Seamus Milne, Julian dickhead Montague Bumbleforth fucking wants, you know, <laughs> f- fucking basically just wants all the banks to have no regulation and doesn't want a strong welfare state. Oh, there's another one. Julian is a slur. Julian is a slur. Oh my slur. god. <laughs> Wait, that was that before. That was around about the same time, I think, as Slug is a slur. It's Jollyan as a slur. Because, like, Jollyan... Yeah. And now, this is what I'm most proud of. Like, every single person, every single person who listens to this knows that Jollyan is a byword for just fucking stupid, bumbling, greasy, pathetic, loser, shithead moron. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Every last one of them knows. They're going to be listening... If you're listening to this show by now, you know to laugh at the name Jollyan. That it's stupid, <laughs> that it's ridiculous. They're like, nah, Jollyan Mom, he's a fucking ludicrous individual. He's this, like, everyone knows, bizarre windmill QC, who, like, is somewhat less of a spoil sport than the other Jollyan, the Jollyan who must not be named. Jollyan, like, who has removed Jollyan from his out. <laughs> so proud of his name Jollyan that he calls himself Joe at every opportunity yeah. and took it out of his name because he got laughed at too much. <laughs> like, the two Jollyans that everyone knows absolutely fit your idea of someone called Jollyan. To a T. Think of the name Jollyan right now. Who do you think of? Yeah. Who comes into <laughs> yeah, your head? Yeah. <laughs> Ask someone on the street what you expect a Jollyan to be like, then show them a picture of Jollyan Morm and Jollyan Green and watch them go, <laughs> bingo. So I guess the difference is when people see Jollyan Morn lounging in his windmill, Jollyan Green kicking back at his decks with a Hawaiian shirt on, people do, at least the kind of person who says Jollyan, kind of thinks, oh, well, here's some right wing dickheads. Whereas if they see Seamus Milne, despite him, you know, probably being from a posher background than at least one of the Jollians, they're like, oh, yeah, that's Corbyn's boy. He's a socialist, isn't he? Yeah. So it literally nobody gives a fuck. It's only when someone's a reactionary right wing piece of shit 
that, yeah. <laughs> that people really start getting into it. It's perfectly possible for working class people to be reactionary against their own class. It's definitely not a class issue in that sense, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, look no, at like the, the Dollar like... Cabinet. Like David Davis or something is a very reactionary yeah. person from a working class background. Alan Johnson in the Labour Party, someone like that. Yeah, I'd take someone with Bergen's politics over someone with Alan Johnson's politics any day. I don't give a fuck if his uncle yeah. in the comments. <laughs> yeah, and that line about, like, Jeremy being... Oh, that's not a very a socialist name. Yeah! Like, <laughs> like, oh, sh- oh, you got us. Sorry, I've literally yeah. never heard the name Jeremy is too posh. I'm going to go, like... Cut up my membership card and abandon my principles because I, for some reason, consider the name Jeremy, Jeremy! incredibly posh. Jeremy, for like, fuck's sake. Jeremy is like, like one of the blandest names. Like, it's just a, like mm. a nondescript. There's not like been like four King Jeremy's. It's like the name like, of any, like, one of his Jollyan shirts. Like, Jollyan just sounds, it doesn't even flow naturally as a name. Like, I, name, hand right? on heart, I thought Fate. for months that his name was Joe Lion Green. Three <laughs> names, same, same. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. have it as a real name. But Jolian Green tried to suggest that it's an old Hebrew version of Julian, didn't he? Which is just a lie. Yeah, this is not true. It doesn't say it anywhere online. Somebody posted that Jolian is like a casual Middle Ages euphemism for cunt, which is pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like Jolian, slug, toad, melt, cop, the boy, it's not going away. Like it's, it's no, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, TWL done, however you're supposed to say, is stupid fucking at. Pathetic fucking old man getting wound up at fucking Chomsky and fucking Harry Leslie Smith. And he can't even fucking have an app that you can say dickhead. Um, <laughs> he goes to bed at six and gets up at nine. Like, he has three hours sleep because he's that mad all the yeah. time. <laughs> but he was like, I cannot wait till the election's over and all the Corbynites stop calling him the absolute boy because if they keep doing that, I might just, <laughs> I might just vote Tory. It's like, go, mate. We, go, should, we counted well, you down as a loss in the first place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, 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 just go. So, he was on the cans last night, wasn't he? Twildor. Twildor stupid unpronounceable name fuck <laughs> you you fucking idiot like he was, i what well, no sorry sorry no let me just i can't get over how he's like a middle-aged man but he has this weird like ironic twitter snark he's obviously a bit more proficient with a computer than most people his age but how he's got that whole online humor like he does memes and stuff it's like no no Go away. Stop bothering the children. Get out. <laughs> Get out of the fucking playground, you weird old cunt. Uh, he was basically on the cans last night and he got super annoyed at our friend at Mr. Considerate, who did a couple of screenshots of him. And uh, and the funny thing is that Mr. Screen... <laughs> Mr. Screenshot. That's probably what <laughs> Twill Dunn thinks of him. Because Mr. Considerate's been screenshotting Twill Dunn's shit tweets for a while. 18 months, according to the boy Twool. <laughs> but, <laughs> but basically, Mr. Considerate has never responded to him. <laughs> like, and, it, so, and then, like, last night, it was like, maybe, just maybe, you're a coward. Yeah. And then, like, there's no coward. response. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. He was like, emasculated. 
<laughs> like, it's like Jesus Christ why do you need to have these ridiculously absurd amateur dramatics responses every time yeah you're just making a fool of yourself he's like who are like, who are you he's like still waiting I'm like why why are you waiting he's not gonna reply just just fucking I don't know just drink <laughs> some more just black out at this point and save yourself <laughs> some embarrassment and he he said when James Bloodworth was brought up by a comrade of ours at Wario Tifo he was like, I've got drunk more times with Bloodworth than I've taken shit on Twitter or something. It's like, ha, you drink with James Bloodworth. That's funny. That's fucking sad. <laughs> like, did you see, like, my favourite bit from the entirety of it was one of those standing as, like, his banners stay in labour, that Nicholas Reddish. I don't yeah, even know his real name. Yeah, that weird guy who didn't know what a cop was. Yeah, he's just another, like, <laughs> Andrew Spooner, Matt Young, fucking old, creepy, knobhead, old man yeah, who voted for the SDP, then like, voted for the Lib Dems. The but, like, you know, he's got a bit of sense, he's got a bit of a liberal side, you know, his pictures him, like, fucking skiing or, like, on some shit holiday <laughs> with his knobhead family, or his, like, his <laughs> twat kids. But, like, he posted something like, I hope compliance unit have a bit of a problem with the term slug. <laughs> and it's like, you're actually going to go crying to compliance because you got Fucking called a slug. Ass. What the wow. fuck is up with you? But they already told us we couldn't say scab, and that was a dark day in Labour's history. Because that's a word <laughs> yeah. that really does, like, that belongs to us. And yeah. it does, like, damn our cause or break our strikes or damage our solidarity. It's a fucking scab and should be known as such. And yeah, we can't obviously. say that anymore. Imagine... Just imagine for a second that conference somehow moves by, like, a bill pushed forward by, you know, Yvette Cooper and Jess Phillips to, like, yeah. ban the word slug off the back of a Helen Lewis campaign to, like, <laughs> finally get us prescribed. <laughs> Just imagine, like, they pull, like, the old labor right forces in the NEC to ban the word slug and ban the word toad, ban the word melt. Like... I, I, could, I could actually see it happening. Like, yeah. I hate to sort of adopt the language of the alt-right, as they always say that we are, secretly. <laughs> but, like, fuck me. But what kick all the immigrants out. White yeah. power. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly that. Like, they're just crying out. Like, they've been called a dickhead on the internet. For the first time in their entire cosseted lives, they have people laughing at them for the stupid, poorly thought-out shit they do. And they just cry. <laughs> and cry and cry and cry and pretend like they have this special right to immunity because they went through Oxford and they spent 10 years fucking like getting coffee for fucking John Reed. And like <laughs> they've got their place at the top now and they can't be laughed at. And just, it's just, it shows their weakness really that they would love, they would love to take every single name of someone who's called someone a slug and get them banned from the Labour Party. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, mm. sure, I'm sure there's at least one of them taking lists. There's that guy, uh, David Mills or something, who was yeah. saying he's sort of fascinated, obsessed with the whole slug thing, because he's seen, like, Matt Zarb cousin saying it and stuff. It's like, that's his line for being a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Corbyn's ex-press sec uses a lot. Do you think this might be the leader of the opposition's office trying yeah, to dehumanise us? Says. Yeah. <laughs> No, Corbyn, Corbyn and Mill are calling you a fucking slug behind your back. Well, that they don't need to tell us that. McDonald knows exactly what he thinks of you. They don't need to tell us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet McDonald would say something a lot fucking less nice than slug. Oh yeah. Another thing I've just I've just actually been told is that 
Twildun, what however you say his stupid fucking username, actually supports fox hunting. <laughs> I thought you were going <laughs> to say I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has defected to fucking Al Shram or whatever. Akhra <laughs> Al Sham. Leave it yes. in. There we go. Good enough. Anyway, according to Comres, Theresa May, her honeymoon appears to be over. Her favorability score is negative for the first time since she became PM. Yes! Oh, just just for another week of this election, mate. Oh, my God. Just for one more week. One more week and we'd win. One more week and we'd win a majority. I've been saying two for the last few weeks, but, like, I think we just need another one. Multiple, Another seven days. <laughs> Multiple unweighted polls have come out now showing us in the lead. I think at least two. I mean, I don't think it's worth paying too much attention to unweighted polls because they weight them for a reason. But, yeah. like, if you do cut out all the weighting, then Labour have, I think, a four-point lead in at least one poll. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. So Fuck me. If we can get the shinners on side... For the let's first get the shinners, let's get the speaker. Yeah, for the first time <laughs> in fucking history, let's get the shinners to take their seats in Westminster so we can have a socialist government. If you want an island <laughs> socialist and free, join the army of the people. Jeremy Corbyn's Labour majority. <laughs> Beautiful. I went for IRA. We're bringing well, the IRA back. <laughs> well, that's what they're saying, isn't it? That's what Ian... De- oh, I think we need to wrap up soon because otherwise it's going to be a hard one for me to edit. But yeah. can we talk about Ian Dale for a second? He's a piece of shit. He's a, he's a <laughs> piece of shit. He is, as I called him last night on our account, a racist potato cunt. Uh, <laughs> Ian Dale is an LBC presenter and former conservative politician. He's one of those ones who's quite sort of populist not in the way people throw populism about now but as in i wasn't sure if he was a blairite or a tory because Mm. he will sometimes take a sort of left seeming stance so he can seem reasonable on his show and have a go at a listener or something but mostly he's straight up reactionary right wing and so he was alongside Paul Mason on a debate at the end of Newsnight last night, and there was a Lib Dem on there as well. And it was a typically abysmal debate, as you'd expect from Newsnight. But towards the end, it really did degenerate into Ian Dale and Paul Mason shouting at each other, because Ian Dale, ever the Tory propagandist, basically just started, he knew the interview was concluding, and he basically just started shouting about how Corbyn's a terrorist sympathiser, about how he refused to condemn the IRA, which, as I have pointed out to Ian Dale on Twitter, is demonstrably untrue. Absolutely, because Let, Jeremy let's Corbyn, let's hear Jeremy Corbyn, what you are know doing is has digging the grave the of consensus politics of in this co- country. He's a friend you are of digging the grave of consensus co- politics in this country. I'm going to keep pressing Ian Dale yeah, on this because he, because he's a liar. He's an actual liar. If Corbyn wasn't lied about constantly, I'd suggest suing him because it, it's a no no i re- i really would. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's a patent lie and you can produce video evidence where corbyn's records from parliament where corbyn condemns the violence of the ira so basically paul mason just started talking over him at this point 
as I would have done. And he started saying, this is the death of consensus politics in the UK. And I thought that was a great point. I really agreed with what Paul Mason was saying. Obviously, he was angry and he was trying to shout over somebody so he couldn't get his point across too much. But Ian Dale just started babbling and throwing out all the lines that the Tories use. He's a terrorist sympathiser. He doesn't support nuclear weapons, blah, 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 blah. And then he sort of desperately resorted to the Linton Crosby smear playbook. Labour supports the rule of law, anti-terror... Really? Uh, I'm so sorry, old Diana. We need to get to Steve Talk Smith. To He's on his bus. Talk Thank you very much, all of you. Thank you. What's this racism, Diana? Why do you hate right. black homes? We need to go on. Okay, here we go. Finally, Holmes... We'll come back to Diane Abbott next week. Shush. Right. In which he said, you have Diane Abbott as Home Secretary who doesn't think that we should have nuclear weapons or something. And in the last few days, the Conservatives appear to have upped the rate of attacks on Diane Abbott. Oh, yeah, with such like alarming mm. frequency. And the best thing about their campaign is that you know what they're trying to do at all times. It you know the agreed line because you hear it fucking everywhere. It is 100% <laughs> if you want a coloured for a Labour, vote Labour. It's exactly mm. the strategy that they used in that rotten by-election in the 60s. Yeah, um, it's that you don't want that uppity black woman to be your home secretary because she's yeah. going to like, she'll be on the side of the gangs. It's that kind <laughs> yeah. of like vibe. It's yeah. Exactly. This is what Ian Dale was saying, that she wants to take everybody off a DNA database or something. And she's obviously immediately come out and said, this isn't true. This isn't a distortion of my view. But these people are so intellectually bankrupt that they will just repeat these jingoistic fucking lies that anybody over the age of 10 should be like, that's a bit simplistic. The same mm. people who say magic money tree, the same people who say <laughs> more anti-West than anti-war, they are fucking idiots and they do not deserve to be treated with any respect. So Ian courtesy. Yeah, so Ian, yeah, 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 absolutely. So Ian Dale was distorting Diane Abbott's view. He was bringing up her name, which the Tories have had Diane Abbott's face on their posters recently, but they haven't had any other Labour politicians than Corbyn on there, which mm. says a lot about what they're doing. They're, they're trying yeah. to toxify Labour by association with its most prominent woman of colour. And Theresa May mentioned Abbott multiple times in yesterday's debate. When she quite simply like didn't really need to. I mean, yeah. like, and, like, in responses to questions that were not even connected to Diane Abbott. They'd be asking about Brexit and be like, oh, but it's all about, you know, um, do you want me to negotiate 11 days after the election, as a third line? Or, yeah. you know, Diane Abbott will be Home Secretary. And yeah, she's she's not even on the Brexit negotiation the crime team. data for fun. <laughs> like, fun. the whole line is like, she just wants to, like, <laughs> wants to make sure everyone gets a clean slate because it's the loony left. This black woman is going to come in and let all the criminals off. And, like, yeah. it's pure... That, that lie is very... It's, it's pure fucking Linton racism. Crosby. If, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, pure Linton it Crosby. Is, They've been yeah. tweeting about it as well. The It's a racially driven lie on as something that you can't really prove in time to have yep. any effect. And that, if... that, the ultimate Crosby strategy, you lie close to the election, so by the time it's disproved, you've already won. Swing. <laughs> yeah. You saw how disgusting and racist and underhand Linton Crosby's campaign against Sadiq Khan was when he ran the Zach Goldsmith campaign last year for the London mayoralty. Now, Diane Abbott actually ran against Sadiq Khan for the Labour nomination for the London mayoralty. Imagine the campaign that 
the Tories would have waged against Diane Abbott if she was yeah. Labour's mayoral <laughs> campaign. It would have been... Well, the campaign against Sadiq Khan was one of the most shamefully racist campaigns we've seen in this country. And I think a Tory campaign against Diane Abbott would have been much the same. And so maybe Linton's trying to incorporate some of his ideas that he never got round to using then <laughs> into this campaign because they're running out of steam. But it's a very conscious thing they're doing in the last few days. They're basically turning the dog whistle up to 11. So mm. it's not a dog whistle. It's just a, <laughs> it's a just shriek. A <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, a foghorn um, constantly. <laughs> and Paul Mason, visibly really pissed off at this, was just like, you know what? And and they they cut his mic. The BBC cut Paul Mason's mic. <laughs> he said, you know what? I'm sick of this racist dog whistle against Diane Abbott. He was prepared to take a stand, and I think he does deserve our respect for that because it is just a constant thing. Just Diane Abbott is just attacked mm. 24/7 by people all across the political spectrum. And going back to this hypothetical, if she'd run against Zach Goldsmith as the Labour candidate last year in London, I think the key difference between how her campaign would have gone and how Sadiq Khan's campaign gone is that Liberals wouldn't have defended her. Yeah, Yeah. Labour wouldn't have defended her. They would have turned their backs and went, oh no, look, Corbynism doesn't work in elections, sorry guys. While they are like especially in London, turning it up in regards to crime. And I think, Mm. for one, Zach Goldsmith would have won. But I think that kind of... That's not as good as Bernie would have won, is it? Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't have the same ring to it at all. But (laughs) if that campaign would have won, that would have been a significant setback in racial relations in this country. A A significant setback. The mayor of London, like... I'm so glad he won. Yeah. No doubt about it. I voted for him. I'm not a fan of him at all. I think he's incredibly right wing. It's a fucking disgrace. But as you say, the whole country would have just gone on a different, even worse trajectory if he had lost. Yeah. It would have been ugly as fuck. And they would have taken that back to CCHQ. And then you'd see that deployed in every Midlands marginal you can imagine. Like the Conservatives playing the race card in the nastiest way imaginable. Up and down the country. Two great success. It's interesting you you use that phrase, and you've used it in the kind of uh, the inverse of the way that Ian Dale used it last night. Because as soon as Paul Mason said, you're just trotting out this racist dog whistle against Diane Abbott, Ian Dale said, oh, oh, here we go, you're playing the race card. Shut up, you old white man. Shut the fuck up up i might <laughs> one of our fans actually one of our listeners i, I i've um I've forgotten his at but he's a guy who is a person of color and he said that this reminded him the way that ian dale just sort of when he was acu- called out on his racism which is what i think it was i think ian dale is a racist on a personal level and i think the consequences of his politics and the way he expresses them are racist consequences as well as him personally being a racist i am leaving no area uncovered here ian dale (laughs) is a racist piece of shit and everyone should know that this guy said it reminded me of like the country my parents grew up in this is britain's kind of revanchist reactionary trajectory it's going on where you just get white men huffing that they don't get to set the narrative at every time but in this case but another white man called them out for basically perpetuating a racist smear campaign against a black woman who doesn't deserve it but i thought mason's point about the death of consensus politics was really essential as well 
This is one of the points that we make over and over again on this show, which is that since Corbyn became leader, there has been a conscious effort. There has been a counter-revolution, basically, in the Labour Party and in the media, where they've tried to say, yeah, look, I know the Democratic vote said that this kind of politics was mainstream and acceptable and palatable, twice as it turns out yeah but it's actually not like you can't have anti-imperialist views and be in the mainstream you can't support a socialist economic strategy and be in the mainstream and so i think that's what paul mason was trying to say this is somebody who supported britain briefly turning into a police state after the manchester attack this is somebody who supports us having nuclear weapons has supported military interventions in the past but i think what mason appreciates that ian dale doesn't is that in a democracy and in an actually productive and vibrant debate, you do need to have people who have views contrary to, I guess, the British imperialist consensus. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so I find it absurd, this idea that of all the things about Corbyn, of all the problems with him, the idea that he's bad in foreign policy compared to other MPs. <laughs> like, these these people who fucking voted to invade Iraq and Libya just completely have no idea about foreign policy. Whereas Corbyn is someone who's literally made foreign policy his main focus for decades in a kind of compassionate, human rights-based manner, which has been proved correct time and time again. But what the anti-Corbyn crew want is that anything short of full-on embrace of nuclear weapons full-on embrace of interventionism and, frankly, apologia for stuff like the Iraq War. Mm. Anything short of that is uh, basically terrorist sympathising, and it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting and it's harmful and nothing will change and nothing it's will It's fucking evil. It's yeah. fucking evil. If you try and suggest that Corbyn supports IRA bombing and stuff, no, you know he doesn't. You know that, that it's not consistent with his politics that Corbyn thinks it's a good idea to plant a bomb and kill civilians. You know he doesn't think that, but you will say it anyway just to discredit anybody who has a different stance on Ireland to you. You fucking pricks. You... For sure. And this is at a time when the Good Friday Agreement is at threat as well on, on the island issue. Yeah, Northern Ireland's fucking fallen apart. Like, I'm, yeah, it doesn't have a government. The other day of like, this is the first election where the IRA has dominated the British election and not even slightly dominated the Northern Irish election. Like, well, we've taken on this hobby horse of talking about the IRA at a point where like, loyalism isn't the problem at the moment in Northern Ireland. It's the fact that their government disintegrated about two months ago in scandal. And they yeah. can't find a political solution anymore. And that is a big, huge concern. Because why they are not tied up in loyalist sympathies, well, not outwardly so anyway, if that system of government, of that political agreement and that ability as demonstrated by Martin McGuinness and by Ian Paisley to work together for the yeah. good of keeping the polity together and well-organised and well-run, if that falls apart under a cloud of gigantic sentiment against Sinn Féin or the DUP. It's basically someone was saying, what, you say Corbyn didn't support terrorism, but actually he wanted a return to the six counties. It's like, so literally anyone who's an Irish unionist is a fucking terrorist sympathiser. Then you're calling the, like, the largest party, the largest membership party in all of Ireland. Sinn Féin on either side of the border. Every single voter and every single supporter of them you can't possibly describe 
unless you are the wildest fringe of the DUP. If you're Ian Paisley in fucking 1982, yeah. every last one of them a terrorist sympathiser. You don't expect any better of Tories, but anybody on the nominal left who has trafficked in this stuff, like, you know, I hope you get fucking hounded out of the left. In fact, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that fucking bloodthirsty imperialist fucks like you who've done so much to trivialize our debate so much to endanger peace in northern ireland get fucking driven out of political debate yeah yeah and rightly so and you stay on the fringes forever where you belong because you're not the mainstream anymore and you shouldn't be the mainstream because your opinions have failed they've failed millions and will fail millions if enacted fully and the sooner you're kicked to the curb the better so blair's great foreign policy achievements well foreign policy if you think that ireland's a different country (laughs) Um, the good friday agreement brought peace to northern ireland and now his supporters want to tear that up because they don't like their leader and can't get him out any other way yeah and his military interventions created a huge vacuum in the middle east that has led to political instability civil war terrorism yeah like so really i don't think we can trust the center even to believe in their old achievements, which are genuinely admirable, like the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah, they're throwing Mm. all that out now in a desperate attempt to stay afloat. Any liberal value worth defending doesn't mean shit to an actual liberal. Oh, yeah, (laughs) absolutely not. Because it's more about power. And that's been the the underriding sort of thing for all of them for a very long time now. This fetishization of power has eroded anything they could ever possibly do within power it's grim and it's unedifying as well nobody was convinced by owen smith going on tv saying well you know i really like power i'm very interested in the concept of power uh my favorite kanye west song power (laughs) (laughs) you know no one was into that it's it comes across as desperate and arrogant no one thinks that's leadership yeah no one's that stupid yeah i mean for fuck's sake no one's that stupid this whole like oh does jeremy corbyn want to be prime minister well as leader of the labor party i can assume that he does want to be prime minister (laughs) because he knows that a labor prime minister is better than a conservative prime minister but i've been wanking over fucking pictures of tony blair for the last 30 years as he ascended <laughs> through the party. And I've been I, I was, dreaming I was li- of number listening... 10. He doesn't like the trappings of it, and that's fine. Like, I love the fact that he's said that if he wins and becomes prime minister, he's not going to live in number 10 Downing Street. I love that, that. Yeah, he said, I like my house. The boy. <laughs> I'm going to change Fucking it. Boy. I like my house. He's going <laughs> to kick out the cat, and he's going to bring El Gato in. <laughs> Hopefully get El Gato ennobled and brought into the cabinet. Do you reckon McDonald will just have, like, number 10 and number 11? <laughs> <He'll> <laughs> just, like, his big, like, just, this is my crib. Like... <laughs> Sells off the furniture. <laughs> Look at all my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Gives his conferences from the roof. <laughs> big, thick fur coats. I mean, he, like, really hams it up. Uh, all right, so I think we'd better wrap this up, but is there anything else we wanted to mention before that? I think we hoovered it all up. Yeah. I think I we've think got a fair bit to go with. Day. We hoovered it all up, like Rental when he's got an immediate deadline. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, he's smoking crack, isn't it? So it would be more like sort of a... <laughs> He'll take whatever he can. When there's no blood about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a substitute for blood. 
Or like he, he he finds a bit of blood and he drinks it and he just spits it out. He's like, ah, oh, this person's had sex at least once. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that is probably a good note to close on. Am I right? Yep. Yeah, I yeah. think it's been sweet. Sound guys. Good as always, guys. All right, guys. I hope you've enjoyed the Real Politic podcast with Kira Morris, Yaya Rice, <laughs> and Jack Frayne Reed. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll have some banger to play you out now, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Cheers. Arrivederci. Adios. It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.